In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales. I have the privilege to be the host for this show. Lots of times you'll catch me here on the weekends on WAVA, but if you don't catch me on the radio, you can also catch me at my other job. I happen to be the lead pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn. And whether we're on the radio or whether I'm talking from there, the most important thing we can talk about is the gospel, because it is the gospel that makes a way. And so today I'm really excited because in, in our show today, what we're going to be doing is giving pastors and ministry leaders an opportunity to kind of take this moment and kind of look in the mirror into some of their deepest joys and challenges and, and even fears, if you so choose to step into that. And what's interesting that no matter the context you find yourself in, the image leaders see is universally similar. They see the good, they see the bad, and yes, they do see the ugly. And so I'm ecstatic to have my good friend who's been on the show many times. And I've had the, pro- the privilege to not do radio interviews with him very much, but just sit down and have coffee and glean from his wisdom. I'm happy to have him here on the show so that we can all glean from his wisdom. It's Pastor Mike Mentor. He's a pastor emeritus from Reston Bible Church. And he's just going to be sharing some nuggets of just some hard-earned wisdom that if you so choose to engage them and listen and apply, I guarantee you they'll be transformational. He's recently written a book, it's available on Amazon, called Stay the Course, A Pastor's Guide to Navigating the Restless Waters of Ministry. It is literally a handbook for how God can shape spiritual leaders. And so let's just get into it and talk about that today. I'm so glad to talk to you, my friend. I miss you here in the Washington metro area, but thank you for for being a part here from Nashville today. Thanks, Brian. Look forward to the interview. Ah, yeah, we'll see, because that may be the only time you've ever said, I look forward to our conversation. So this may be the only, we hope we'll make this good for us, right? So for those of you that don't know you, as well as those from Western Bible Church, or maybe those of us out in a certain part of Northern Virginia, let me give a little background. And you cover a lot of this background in your book. And so I'll just kind of set them up that you are born and we're born into a Navy family in Providence, Rhode Island. Your father was an admiral. He attended, you attended the Naval Academy uh, and you have a degree from Old Dominion University in political science. Uh, But while traveling with a friend through Europe, uh, you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that changed everything in your life. In fact, what happened later on is you had a growing desire as you walked in this to study and teach the scriptures. So eventually you went to Florida Bible College. You graduated a degree with Bible. You met your wonderful wife, Kay. And I do say wonderful wife because she's wonderful. Uh, And you were called to ministry later on to start a church. And what wound up being known as Reston Bible Church. In 1974, it started in a home Bible study, and it was 48 years later that you redeployed, so to speak, from Reston Bible Church, and you completed your service there and took on a new kingdom assignment in Nashville. Uh, Mike, you know, 
to say the least, when I read your book, there was things in there that you just told me when you sent it to me. Some of the things in the first 30 pages, you're not going to know, and it's going to be interesting. And I have to tell you, you had an interesting life and ministry story that I think most people, uh, even maybe close around your ministry, maybe not have known until you wrote your book. Uh, talk about the circumstances that you experienced and how God used those circumstances in your life for good. And he didn't waste them, and he shaped your heart, prepared you for some things that he had for you coming up. Well, it's interesting, Brian. I think that God takes weaknesses, and if we pay attention to our weaknesses, we realize that God is actually developing a strength from it. Mm. In the book, I talk about some pretty severe learning disabilities that I've had throughout life. They've been very challenging, literally every day. But I found later that I could take those and it gave me a, it gave me a perspective of life that I would otherwise not have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, things that are, that are difficult for me, that are easy for other people, forced me to go outside the box. And it helped me with my preaching and helped me with understanding other people that had disabilities or learning disabilities and as a result, I think my preaching benefited because I would develop a message and say, now, as long as I can understand this, I'm sure everybody can understand it. Sure. So I was never over people's heads because I'm just not that much of an intellect, but I was able to understand how intellectual people thought. And so I realized many years later that what was a real, uh, a real showstopper in some respects became a, uh, an eye opener for me and a channel to touch people touch people's lives, intellectual people sure. uh, in ways that they couldn't have been touched by an intellect. So that's been a big help. Yeah. And you said that you discovered many years later. And uh, so I want to back up a little bit. That means there's a journey. Specifically, there had to be some high and low points as you're walking and discovering how uniquely God has made you. Maybe just for those who haven't read your book, tease them a little bit, tell them about that. Tell them, tell them a little bit, maybe some of those high and low journeys. Oh, sure. Well, the highs were when I really got called into ministry. I graduated from Florida Bible College in 74. And I literally, I'm not one to say that you ever have to hear from God all the time, but I literally had a voice that said, stop what you're doing and teach the Bible the rest of your life. That was a high. Mm. So I get to Reston to try to get this ministry going. And I couldn't get a job at a church because I didn't have a seminary degree. So I couldn't go with any established church. And so I had to, I had to start the church. And though that was fun, and exciting, the low was, in order to start the church, I had to get a job as a shoeshine boy at the local country club, the Reston mm. Country Club, which is now called Hidden Creek. But I can remember shining people's shoes that I went to college with. And those were humbling experiences. And yet some of them have come to the Lord and are still emailing me today from that experience. So here again, the bottom of the pit, and then God somehow in his miraculous grace was able to raise me up and, and use me in ways I never thought I could be used. And those are stories that we couldn't make up. You can't even write those, you know, if you want to have a, a book that's on a bestseller list of fiction or a movie that's sent out for people listening that, hey, here's a guy that's going to go this one direction, and the way God is going to use him is have him shine shoes to then lead to that. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this not having a seminary degree and all those sort of things. I, I think uh, even a term you use like having a resume held together with duct tape, right? Um, and, but you saw God take that and use it in a way that exceeded beyond what you could ask or imagine, right? We talk about Ephesians three, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But sometimes when God actually does more, 
than what we ask or imagine. We're more surprised than expectant in that, right? Absolutely. So can you give us maybe some listeners insights, encouragement on how God has used some of your weakness? You've already said this, you know, abstractly in the understanding way, but specifically maybe for his glory. Okay. Even today, when you were telling me to hear, here's how to turn on your mic or do this, I'm just anything technical I can't do. All right. But what I've learned is when I am challenged by something, I've come to realize that everybody is challenged in different ways. There are, mm-hmm. for example, I will look at a theologian, he'll write something and I'll think, can we just simplify this a little bit? I don't think it's quite that hard. I yeah. even see things on the internet. And I think, I think we could resolve this, make this a little bit easier. So it's always forced me to simplify mm-hmm. everything that I do. I try to simplify. I've actually even invented a few things that I've never I've actually found that they later on, they were inventions because I would look at a problem and go, that can be fixed. We just need to simplify it. Mm-hmm. So most of my preaching is not terribly intellectual, but yet I think, uh, and I don't, don't mean this in a boastful way, but I've had PhDs walk up to me and say, you know, you've been able to reach me and my wife who doesn't have a college degree and my 10 year old son. We all enjoy you. And I think because of my weakness in these learning areas, I'm able to sort of think how other people think or need to think in order to get a point across. Mm-hmm. So I think it's helped me to become a little bit more articulate. And so I, I now rejoice in that trial, which is still a trial, but uh, I'm thankful for it. So let's dive into one of the things we're attempting to do today by having you on the show is to encourage pastors, encourage ministry leaders. And I don't think it. So I've been 25 years into this now, uh, which is half the time that you've been in it, but You know, whether it's 25 years or 50 years or whether it's 25 months, it also it comes with challenges. And certainly these last 30 months or more have been very, very challenging. And I'm aware of this. You're aware of this tension about what we're trying to do. You are now going to try to encourage people to walk and to be faithful. Yet your now life experience is you retired as a pastor of a mini mega church, I think is the term that you used. Uh, you know, there's the big mega mega churches that run 10,000 and 20,000, but, but Reston Bible Church, 2,500 or more people on any given week. There's a lot of ministries out there that are like, I just love to get 25 people together. Mike can't know my struggles. Mike can encourage, but that's where you are isn't where you've always been. I mean, even though all of this happened over a period of faith of 40 some years behind the scenes, there were a lot of trials and, and some of them. I knew personally, some of my learned in the book that were, that were quite daunting, right? What was it like in those moments as a leader of those trials, a leader in the midst of those challenges to, to hear a verse like James chapter one, verse two, and say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, like, okay, God, we just had X thousand of people leave to go blank. You mentioned in your book, uh, or we just had this scenario happen. God, I can have joy. That just really seems like a stretch at best, impossible, most likely. But the Bible says we can do it. Talk about that. Yeah. You know, it says counted all joy. It doesn't necessarily mean you feel that it's joyful. Mm. I think what I learned through the years is that God's callings are his enablings. I think that's Second Thessalonians 5 or something, First Thessalonians 5. Um, and if, 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 if God has called me to this, then he's going to have to enable me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't do it. I just can't. 
And I had some low parts, I mean really low, where I was almost in a blackout zone. There were so many things coming from everywhere. And I would go back to that verse and say, wait a minute, you said that if you call me, and I know you called me, then you're going to enable me. This is why I don't like to see pastors throw in the towel when things really get difficult, because God's in the midst of that difficulty. I mean, he has called you to that. And I was speaking last night at a gathering. I was saying, we're always going to be going uphill against the grain, uh, against the wind, because we're called to go against the ways of the world. And as a pastor, you're leading your people in that same way. But, but along the way, we're going to get a lot of splinters, a lot of bumps. We're going to get knocked around. And once we begin to realize, hey, this is part of the job description, then it makes it a lot easier. I hit, I, I hit something. I think there's no way out of this. What's going to happen? But he has always made a way. And if we had time, I would tell you story after story about at the last minute how he came in for the rescue. I love how you just said this is part of the job description because my experience, and we've talked about this, you know, you said you, you went here and didn't have a seminary degree. I'm probably overly educated on the other end, but no matter which experience I had, like mine or like yours, nobody ever once in anything said, you know what? Part of the job description is James chapter one, verse two. This is going to be the reality of what it means to be in ministry. You are not going to theoretically experience these difficulties. You are going to experience them. And so one of the things I love is that you're not allowing the difficulties and challenges and experiences and things that God taught you personally to stay just with you. You're using the book, Stay the Course, to encourage others uh, about some of the lessons that you've learned in your life. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons you've learned in your life in ministry to maybe what some of the people out there are listening right now in, in ministry or people who are listening right now, they're like, oh, I know a friend in ministry that needs to hear this. Talk about some of the things that they're experiencing. What are some of the anxieties as you talk with pastors that, that are plaguing pastors just daily lives in this moment? Yeah, I think probably the number one thing is, is too many pastors, only because of the internet today, read about a guy that starts a church in a garage and three weeks later, he's meeting in a stadium, you know, and, yeah. and you're wondering, what am I doing wrong? Um, you've really got to get that off the table. Uh, because what God may call one person to, to have a church of a hundred or another person to have a church of 10,000, it doesn't mean the guy that's got the 10,000 is the better person. Noah preached for 120 years and had no converts. Mm -hmm. Jonah goes into Nineveh and has a, a city. And yet mm -hmm. only one of them is mentioned in Hebrews 11 and it's not Jonah. It's Noah. I love that. I love that reminder because I tend to use the uh, the Peter and Jeremiah example. Oh, yeah. you know, Peter Peter stands up and acts and preaches and 3,000 people come to know him. Jeremiah preaches for 40 years, right? Yeah. And, and we as ministry leaders, we perpetuate that myth, right? We because do. oftentimes if we go to conferences, which can be one of the most depressing or exciting things you can do as a ministry leader, the people that are up on the platform, they're rarely the people who've been faithfully serving for 40 years and my church is 200 people. Right, because success is about faithfulness to God's unique calling, but we often like to add a different thing on top of it that may be a outcome of success, but not as a defining of success. What other sort of things, you know, as you know, we start comparing ourselves or other sort of anxieties can plague pastors. Yeah, here's an interesting thing. I went years and years ago to the same year might could have might have been sitting next to him for all I know. About 22 years ago, I went to a Bill Hybels leadership conference, and mm -hmm. Andy Stanley was at that conference. And Andy 
said to himself, I didn't know there was such a thing as the gift of spiritual leadership. I think I have that. And he goes back and starts North Point. Well, I'd already been in ministry for years. And, and I went back and couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do next. The reason was, that's not my gift. Leadership is not my gift. So I don't go to leadership conferences. I love to go to conferences where I can hear how to teach the Bible better or what have you, because I think that's more my strength. And yeah. you can always improve your strength, but you can only improve your weakness just a little tiny bit. It, you, mm-hmm. If you're tone deaf, you're tone deaf. Uh, so I would say that a pastor really ought to look deep into his own heart. And you can save your church a lot of money by sending you to all these different conferences when you know you're just going to come back with a bunch of books and, and they, they don't relate to you because it's just not what makes you tick. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go someplace, go someplace that's going to feed you with what, how you've been cut out. I, I look around at the DC area and I can tell you guys that are incredible leaders, uh, may, may not be great teachers. I've seen guys that are great teachers, not great leaders. I've seen guys that are great teachers and leaders. And those are the guys that usually have the enormous churches. That's their gift. And you got to stick within those, those realms and stop kidding yourself into thinking you're something that you're not. Yeah, I love this emphasis on calling. What's your unique calling? We understand from Scripture that God's made us uniquely, but the, the comparison game is big. And that's not even talking about some of the additional anxieties that, you know, have happened, you know, have always sort of been in the church, um, you know, about criticism that happens. And there's been a lot of opportunities for criticism to come out or division through doctrinal issues that you mentioned and we'll talk about on another show. And so a little heads up, we're going to do two shows in case you're already saying, I want more from Mike, you're going to get it. Uh, we're excited about that. But I mean, pastors do, because I'm a pastor, this, this feels a little uh, self-promoting. So I want to be careful how I ask and say this question. But we do spare, experience some unique challenges, if for no other reason, that lots of people who are part of a church, they have their work community, they have their friend community, and they have their church community. For you or for me and many pastors, our work community, our friend community, and our church community is all the same. Right. And so when difficulty and strife hits that, they're not separated. Your your whole life is 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 difficulty and challenge about that. But okay, everyone experiences some unique challenges. One of the things that you also talk about though in this book that I deeply appreciated was that we also experience some abundant blessings in that there's there's real hope. You know, not hope so sort of hope that's available, you know, kinda. But there's real hope available in that way. Could you sort of describe some of the blessings that you've seen God do in your life and how you found this hopeful and encourage pastors that way? Oh, I just got a phone call probably a week and a half ago from a guy up in Northern Virginia that said, hey, Mike, I just want to thank you for sharing the gospel each week in the pulpit because I trusted the Lord 22 years ago. And I'm thinking, I didn't know that. I've known him. that he, he He'd never shared that. I've had numerous times where people have come up to me and said, I only went to Reston Bible Church one time, and then, then my family moved. But now I'm back visiting, and I want you to know I heard the gospel. One guy told me it ruined all of his party life at UVA mm. because he, he was planning on living a debauched life in the fraternity yeah. houses. <laughs> and he, he said he heard the gospel and trusted the Lord, and it just totally changed his life. So there are endless numbers of blessings. I can't help but to think of the guy. I think he was a deacon. And here he, he's, he's speaking, and, and in walks uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon at the age of 15 or something, and hears the gospel from a deacon. 
And, and the guy has no idea that he's done anything that day other than lead Spurgeon to the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's, that's the issue. You don't know what God is going to do with that message. You have no yeah. idea. Yeah. And so I've, I've just got story after story, as you do, of people that have surprised us by saying I, I, that message changed my life. Or, and we always realize it's not our message. It's always going to be God's message. Right. But we have to realize that the power of the gospel is dynamite. And yeah. we just have to be faithful in, in delivering it. That's all there is to it. And thank you just for that reminder of where the power comes from. Right. right. It, it doesn't come from us. We are at best the glove. And the gospel is the hand. Jesus is the hand. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, is the hand in that way. And when when that gets out of whack, there are some pitfalls uh, that you've seen uh, that people can get cat- trapped into. If someone maybe just right now, oh, I feel like I've got caught in this, encourage them. Tell them what you would step into and say, hey, this is how you should try to avoid these. This is what you could do to to maybe get out of them in some ways that they fall into, hey, I, I'm only as good as my last sermon. I'm only as good as my last attendance, or I thought I was good, but compared myself to this other church or compared to this email that I just got that said, I'm not so good. Speak to that person. Yeah. Um, obviously, all, our identity always has to be in the person of Christ. We've heard that a thousand times, but do we really believe it? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be careful that my identity doesn't come from the fact that I, I, I'm a reasonably gifted communicator, as are you and many of the pastors in the area. And when we, start, when we start falling back on thinking that we are gifted rather than God has given us that gift, that's when you get in trouble. I have mm. stepped out there thinking, man, I got this nailed, only to fall flat on my face. And people were talking about the weather as soon as my message was over. <laughs> so always going into the pulpit, going into any, anything, and just simply saying, Lord, this is you and me. I, I cannot do this. I can't preach. I can't do anything without your grace, your power, your help. Paul said, mm-hmm. I labored more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God did the laboring. May we mm-hmm. always keep that in the forefront of our mind. Yeah. Well, in the last minute or two, if you could, can you maybe share a story of a pastor who actually was struggling, um, but found hope and wisdom to stay the course? And then you see the blessings that God had planned that he didn't step away from, or they didn't step away from. Yeah. I, uh, this was a surprise to me. I was with our brother, Steve King about five years ago, going around the room, sharing stuff. And this guy next to me said that 20 years ago, he went to get some advice because he was going to quit. And he told the story about how the pastor told him how to stay in there and so on. And it turns out I was the pastor. I don't even remember the meeting, but he said, we met at a place to have lunch And you told me, if God has called you, don't quit. And he now has a very large church in Alexandria. I think he's got a couple of satellites. Mm. And I had no idea, just no idea. Those are the kind of things I think that just kind of keep us going. When we realize that what we're doing is not in vain. Mm -hmm. And uh, we may think so, but it's it's not. We just have to keep that before us. As someone who sat across from your table at my lowest personal ministry time of my life and been the recipient of the encouragement that you gave, thank you for speaking. And I look forward to as we're going to go into our next time together. So if you've listened today, next week, come on back. We're going to dig a little bit more deeper into this book that you wrote called Stay the Course, A Pastor's Guide to Navigating the Restless Waters of Ministry. You can get that at Amazon.com. And of course, if you would just like to know a little bit more or get to know Mike, 
uh, he even gave us his email. It's Pastor Minta, P-A-S-T-O-R-M-I-N-T-A at gmail.com. You can reach out to him and he would, I will guarantee you, will lovingly engage you the way God has made him. And so, Mike, just thank you for uh, joining us and thank you for living out how God has made you in this unique way that has encouraged so many. And of course, next week, we're going to get back to it and we're going to dig into the book a little bit deeper. But for today, if you've been listening to this and maybe you've been discouraged, maybe even think about quitting, or you know someone is discouraged and thinking about quitting, may I remind you of what Mike said, that it's the power of God in you. He's called you. He will sustain you. Or as we like to say, when we think there's no other way in the midst of life that we have, it's a gospel that makes a way. And so again, reach out to Mike. If you would like to talk to someone at WAVA, you can email them at comment at WAVA.com. Or if you want to talk to me, you can call me Christian Fellowship Church, 703-729-3900. So thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for being a part. And again, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.